quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connective parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I'm lucky to have a parent guest who's going to ask some questions, and we are going to dive in. So hi, Shannon. Can you tell us who you are and uh, who your kids are? Yes. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm joining you today from Canada. I have two daughters, age seven and nine. Lovely. Okay. And we are going to talk about sibling rivalry. Yes, because- we are. <sighs> not. I think everybody who has siblings wants to know, what do I do with my kids when they're fighting? How can I remedy? What What's the best approach? And so let's dive in there. Tell us uh, about a recent situation that was hard. Okay. Well, there was actually a big one just last night. Uh, my girls like to play games before bed and they were playing a game called Spook and everything was going really, really well until all of a sudden everybody was crying. So one child uh, found her sister because she was hiding and it she didn't get scared, which upset her sister. So she reached out and pulled her hair really, really hard. Um, and then she ran away because she knew that she would probably be in trouble for that. And the, the one whose hair got pulled, she ran away to crying. And so my, my partner and I were sort of left wondering, like, you know, we have to go after one, deal with the other. And we just you know, you get stuck in those moments. Yeah, that's really hard. And it's hard for everybody and to know what to do. And emotions are really running high and everyone's like, now what do I do? I'm yes. feeling like kind of stuck and everyone's feeling stuck. I get it. Yes. All right. Let's rewind just a little bit. So the sibling relationship is this long and involved relationship that's been going on for seven years because your youngest is seven. So for yeah. seven years, it's like, she did this and then somebody else did that. And then someone's retaliating and someone's resentful and someone's mad because mom was on their side and then someone's mad because mom was on the other person's side. And so we've got a lot of history yes. of experiences. And so although it become, it feels like it's about spook in that moment, yeah. there's light, everyone's coming with old hurts and Amazing. upsets. And so they 
you know, she might not be pulling her hair only because she wasn't scared. She could be pulling her hair because she said something mean that morning or they had gotten into kerfuffle 20 minutes before and she was upset about it. And so I guess the point is nobody's right and nobody is ever wrong. Right. So I think if we can come with that idea of neutrality, which is really hard because when we see, especially when we see the aggression piece, when we see a kid really being aggressive towards Mm -hmm. their sibling, we immediately have feelings around that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want them to think it's okay, but at the same time, resolving it with anger or more adult uh, big feelings or aggression is, is not going to make that problem go away. So no, it definitely isn't. So I guess, you know, the idea is that how do we, so I think I like the, how you said she ran away because she thought she would be in trouble. And I think that's a piece of it. If we are never in trouble, then we are not going to come to fight, flight, or freeze as quickly. And that fight, flight, or freeze will be an internal fight, flight, or freeze that was you know, generated in our own shame, but it won't be this additional layer of like, oh, mom and dad are going to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can start to unravel the idea that she's in trouble or that anybody is in trouble for anything ever, right. that you there are no punishments, there are no rewards, there are no lectures. There, and to be honest, correction doesn't really work either. So it is about the sibling rivalry, but it's also about all these kind of external things that we might need to like take a little look at. Like maybe we have to get rid of any sort of judgment around who's right and wrong in a sibling fight. Yeah, especially when it comes to physical aggression, you know, realizing that the one who did it might also not be in the wrong. That's That's a tough pill as a parent to try and swallow. Well, they're suffering. That's the reason they pulled the hair. They're suffering somewhere, right? They're like either there's an unmet need that isn't being met for them. Like they aren't getting the satisfaction they want or they aren't getting the respect they think they need or they aren't getting the, you know, back and forth play that they think they deserve or some unmet need is there. And so immaturely, they pull somebody's hair because they're in this fear. So aggression is a fear response, fearful Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to get an unmet need met. And I'm going to take it out on the people closest to me, my brother and my sister. Yeah. I actually, when I eventually went to speak to my daughter after she ran away, um, my eldest, her name is Scarlett. I went to talk to Scarlett and she said, you know, mommy, I was just so mad because I wanted her to be scared and she wasn't scared. And I just had to do something to scare her. So in her mind, she wasn't trying to hurt her. She was trying to scare her. And in ended up just hurting her and making her upset. So she had it all rationalized in her mind at the time. Totally. And yeah. I get that. And so then it is, it's like, did it come from malintent? It didn't. I don't think it did. No. Although the history it has in the past. So right. it's like situational. Almost. Well, or is she grasping onto that explanation because she's trying to remain out of trouble too? That stuff. She's my one kid that won't lie. Yeah. Not so for the other one, but but okay. So then we take her at face value anyway. And even if she was lying, like, I don't even think that that's a bad thing. We lie because we're trying to get out of trouble. Self-preservation, right? Yeah. So the thing is, is that, okay, when we go to her and I'm glad you went to her and, and, and talked to her about it. When we go to the kids, when they're having a fight, we say, Hey guys, as opposed to like Charlotte, Scarlett or Charlotte, Scarlett, Scarlett, why did you pull your sister's hair? What were you thinking? We just come in calmly and say, what happened? What happened here, guys? What was going on? What happened? And 
maybe who knows who will go first? The victim, maybe the villain, so to speak. Right. Who's going to speak first? It's okay. It doesn't really matter. You say, what happened? Oh, I was mad because she didn't, she wasn't scared. Oh, that made you mad. I understand empathy. Now we're trying to get her prefrontal cortex online. We're trying to get her thinking again because she's offline, not thinking in fight, flight, or freeze, Mm -hmm. in fight, really. And so we're if we ask her questions like, what happened? Oh, and we come with empathy. Oh, I understand. You thought that she wasn't scared and it made you angry. That makes sense. Empathy, lots of empathy. Now we get her back online. We go to her sister. What happened? She pulled my hair. It's not fair. I was just playing the game. I can't help it. I wasn't scared. Oh, she pulled your hair. That was really hard. Without putting her sister under the bus, we say, sounds like you guys had a really hard time. This is unfortunate. I get it. You guys are struggling here. And if we can get them both back de-escalated here and online, then we have a better opportunity of resolution. Mm -hmm. But when we come in heightened with, you know, you did X, Y, and Z, you're wrong. Now we've pushed her completely to the side of my mom's mad at me. My sister made her mad at me. I'm mad at my mom. And now I'm mad at my sister. Now I'm mad at everybody. And then how will the next sibling interaction go? Yeah. And I don't know if anyone um, you know, else sort of has a bit of a, a difference between how one parent handles it aside from how the other Every, parent handles everyone it. has that. <laughs> yeah. So I tend to be more like the person you describe who is like, tell me what happened. Tell me your side. Yeah. My partner, he is more like, how could you do this? You know, yeah. that's just unacceptable. Hard line. And I am not about hard lines. So yeah, there's a bit of a, a, a difference there too. Yeah, that's hard. And so we just keep modeling the way we want them to do it. And hopefully they see that it's yes. feels better and looks better and resolves better. Mm-hmm. And then they'll glean and they'll hopefully follow our lead because yeah. there's no telling your partner like, you're doing it wrong. You know, <laughs> I heard on this to- podcast, they, they are supposed <laughs> to do it this way. And then they'll be like, yeah, whatever lady, like I'm not listening to you <laughs> and your whoever's on that podcast. Yes. But yeah, I think if we can lead by example, that's the best we can do with our partners because we don't want to alienate them. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm typically the one who's present and taking care of it. Um, And I think too, de-escalating myself in those situations when everyone's crying and I'm trying to assess how bad have you been injured? How serious is this? And, you know, who do I talk to first? Do I go to the injured child first? Yes. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what I tend to do, but you know, I, you know, I'm, and that's a really good question and point. I think um, the way I look at aggression is that if you don't get the aggressor feeling better, your aggression will never end. And sometimes going to the, the victim, so to speak first makes the aggressor feel like they're wrong. That's so interesting. I never thought of that. I always thought, you know, you have to sympathize with the one who was hurt first because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's... I appreciate that point that you just made. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily wrong or right. I don't think we always want to go to the hurt one because then also it creates this idea that the hurt one needs to be protected and they feel like they need to be protected. So they could be like... In a because they want the attention, they don't want to be... Also, if there's this idea of being in trouble, they don't want to be in trouble so that they are going to, you know maybe, who knows, embellish because they want that attention and connection with you. So it could create 
you know, even more upset on their end because they feel like, oh, I am the protected one. I need to be the protected one. My mom needs to come to me to make sure that I'm okay because I am the victim. Mm -hmm. And are we cementing the victim villain paradigm by sticking in that way? I have so many light bulbs (laughs) because we, we have a long sort of, you know, history in our, my two girls sibling relationship of one being the aggressor and the other being in that victim spot ever since like newborn really. So there is that narrative that's there. And, you know, I, I've always tried to sort of challenge that a little bit because you don't want your, your like faith is my younger child. I don't want faith to feel that she's, um, Oh, you know, poor, poor me. Woe is me. Um, but also I want to validate that it is challenging to be, to be picked on, you know, to be the one who always gets hurt. So yes. Yeah. But I think that the better way to protect faith is to help her sister because then the aggression stops. We hope (laughs) it will. I promise you it will. So I think if you, what I try to recommend to parents is like, just, okay, take two weeks or whatever it is, 10 days or whatever, and always respond to the aggressive one and see what happens? Now, that doesn't mean you don't respond to the one who's being hurt. I put a hand out to her, honey, are you okay? And no, that was really hard. And then you go straight to her sister. I, and how will that make her sister feel? Probably a lot better. Yeah. yeah. And if yeah. she feels better, then she'll do better. Yes. I mean, and I know the thing is, what I struggle with the most is we 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 have a little bit of an additional challenge with um, the aggression, mostly because impulse control is an issue for my eldest. Um, And when Scarlett has impulse control troubles, her go-to is sort of, I'm going to do it before I've even thought about doing it. And so she knows that it's not good. She hates that she doesn't. She's communicated that to me and she has this sort of self-loathing and doesn't want anyone to know that she's ever done that. And so I, I, you know, I really want to nurture that love for herself, even though she does these things sometimes, doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. But how do we control those impulses when her brain is sort of working against her in that regard? We're hitting pause for a moment to thank our sponsors. These brands make sure you can listen to this podcast for free. ADHD affects so many of our families and finding the right care can be a challenge. With Done, you can get the care you need 24-7. At donefirst.com, you have an expert team who can help you get personalized treatment for you and your sweet kids. ADHD doesn't have to jeopardize the connection you share with your family. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, one-click refills, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy copays as low as $0. Visit get.donefirst.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Done. Turn ADHD into your strength. You know what I don't miss at all? The vicious week before my period. I always used to feel like I was walking in quicksand and craving the most unhealthy of foods. My sleep was always off and my moods were unpredictable. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. 
They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. And the biggest benefit, feeling like myself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 14,000 reviews of Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off the entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code PEACE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PEACE for 15% off today. Let's dive back in. So connection is one of the ways in which our prefrontal, our thinking brain, our reasoning brain stays online. Right. Correction, reprimand, lecture, all those things keeps our thinking brain offline. So we can't mature her brain. There's no No. way. It is what it is. But what we can do is supply her with more connection so that it stays online more often. So when you respond to her with the connection, when she's in these offline moments, our goal is to get her brain back online so she can use it because we know that when she has it back online, she's okay. The only reason that she can't have that impulse control, you know, regulation is because she's offline. Right. It isn't in her, her online moments. It's only in her offline moments. And that is for every child. Mm -hmm. She just is having more offline moments because she's in need of more connection. Yeah. And I think too, sometimes, you know, I have to be a detective a little bit, like what was happening to you, you know, before you went offline and, and, you know, hurt your sister. And with this specific example, you know, we're playing a game where you do get scared. It's completely dark Um, with sensory, you know, sort of challenges at at our house that can be putting everyone into a very heightened state. So it's sort of like the perfect storm. You're just waiting for something wrong. Yeah. And if they're really struggling, what I say to parents for a little while, don't leave them alone, really be in there and be close so that you can actually, I like to get my body in between to Mm. stop any sort of aggression. If I see it coming, use myself as the boundary. Right. And then go straight to the kid who's trying to be aggressive. And I offer, sometimes I offer a hug. Do you need a hug? Are you okay? What's happening here? And I might even do that right after the incident just to get them. They don't, they'll never believe that you think poorly of them because of their behavior when you do that. Yeah. Because the bigger thing is, is they, they, they get this shame piece, right? Like, oh yes. Yeah. And that shame piece, you could tell because she ran away. She might really be shame adverse too. Who knows? She totally is. She is. So then it's like, was in flight. She was in flight and she articulated that she, like, I tried to, I I wasn't trying to like restrain her, but I went to grab her. Like, no, you don't need to run away. Like, let's talk about it. And she just kept saying, I need to get out of here. I need to run away. And she had to be gone. Sweet girl. She's running away from her own shame because she already felt bad about it. Yeah. And so the the affection right after is like a neutralizer. Yeah. It's incredible. And people will be like, you can't reward your kid with a hug after they hit their sister. And I'm like, "Mm, actually, you can. Yeah. And actually too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, the, and what I'll say to you too, is your little one is probably going to um, be mad Oh, because yes. she's used to you being there and she's going to be upset. Aren't you going to get her in trouble? Aren't you going to tell her this? Aren't you going to say that? Aren't you going to, you're not doing anything. Yeah. So you might get some of that because you're really going to try to unwind this victim villain paradigm in your mm-hmm. house by really coming with affection and connection and neutrality and then really having them speak. And then when you have them speak and you empathize with them, then you can ask them too, because they're, they're the perfect age. What can we do to fix this, guys? Yeah. 
I want to ask you, if you are have achieved that and you've you've you know managed to connect with your say in this instance my aggressor, but how do you or do you take an opportunity at all to to address what happened and say you know like this was not okay? At what point in the repair can you address the actual issue and and whatever it was that happened? I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can address it later if you'd like. You can talk to them about it. I'm just wondering why. Why would you want to do that? Oh, I don't know. I think part of that pressure might also come from my partner who has, you know, a different view. Like, obviously, I know that Scarlett knows it's not okay. And yet the behavior continues. So you think to yourself, well, does she really know it's not okay? Yes, she does. But I don't know. I'm talking in circles, but basically- no, you're good. You're getting there. You're talking yourself into a good place here, I think. Yeah. You you know the answer already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's we. I typically don't hand out a consequence. I don't force her to apologize per se either. Like apologies are hard when it's just- I, uh, you don't want it just to just be, I'm sorry, you know? Well, yeah, it's meaningless when it doesn't come from your heart. I never ask for the kids to apologize yeah. to each other. Yeah. It'll come when it's ready. But I think with more connect, like that's the other beautiful thing about coming with affection and connection and all these things when she's having a hard time and being aggressive mm-hmm. is that it gets her to, because now she can't be mad at you for getting right. mad at her. Right. She can't be mad at her sister because her sister was just, you know, doing whatever. She only has an opportunity to be mad at herself now. Right. When we get upset, we kind of usurp this, you know, opportunity for her to sink into her own morality. And now she can be mad at us. So it might keep her from apologizing because she's too busy being mad at us. Well, blame is a safe place to to put Project. all your yucky feelings, right? You, you reflect your shame right onto blame, right? To somebody mm-hmm. else's fault. And so if you are so neutral and so loving and so kind during this whole experience, she can only be mad at herself. Right. So then how do you as the parent, you know, because you they can tell if you're not actually calm, even if you're pretending to feel calm. Yeah. As a person who, you know, is can be just as triggered in these situations myself with yeah. the noise and the fussing and the oh, what do I do? How do you get yourself in a position where you can truly be at peace when you're addressing? I mean, now that's a whole nother podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) you have to work on yourself and you have to have a place. I mean, just in the short of it, like you have to have your own place for your feelings, right? You can't have your feelings with your kids. Sorry, everybody. That's just not, not productive. And so you have to make sure you are, you have a lit, we call listening partners and connected parenting. We have listening partners. We, you know, we, I always suggest everyone have a coach if you can, like you need a place to have your own feelings and to get it all out so that you're not trying to get it all out with them and that you Mm -hmm. can come more self-regulated because if you've had an opportunity to have your feelings with an adult, if you've had an opportunity to talk about parenting and really get in there, then you aren't, you aren't so pressured. It's not a pressure cooker inside your body as much. That's a Plus you got to work on your triggers. Plus you got to work on taking care of your, I mean, it's like a whole myriad of things that it's not just about the sibling fight now, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. You're right. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. not at all. So a lot of time sort of getting to know myself in terms of what triggers me, what's going to help me in those moments and then do the work and then arrive in the situation with the tools. Yeah. And then it's like, I I posted today something like, if my child's behavior angers me or upsets me, I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. 
because something's going on with me. If I'm mad because my kids are fighting, that's not about me at all. But if I'm getting to a place where I'm triggered, what is it? Is it the noise because I lived in a house that was super noisy and it triggers me back to my childhood? Is it that I had a bad relationship with my sibling and so I see this sibling relationship playing out? Is it they're not listening to me and I needed to be heard as a child because I was never... I mean, it could be a million things. Yeah, It could be all those things. All of the above. Right, exactly. And so it's like, where are you working on that? Do you have a listening partner? Do you have a parenting pedagogy? Do you have a coach? Do you have a program? Do you have a community? Are you doing the work? Yeah. Everyone wants that quick answer, but it's, uh-huh. it, you can't, there isn't, it doesn't exist. Right? No, it does not exist. There's no silver bullet. There's no, you can say X, Y, and Z. And it, no, I don't believe in that at all. It first it's mindset change. Then it's working on yourself. Then it's learning the tools and it's implementing the tools. Then it's working on relationship. It's a, it's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it really has to start sort of like before you almost have, have kids, you have to start getting to know yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But I mean, I went to 10 years of therapy before I had kids and I wasn't ready in the least. And I worked in public schools for 13 years and I wasn't ready. None of that prepared me. Similar story. (laughs) Yeah. So things come up. You're like, oh, well, (laughs) sibling rivalry didn't come up in my my (laughs) therapy when I was 25. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, hopefully it doesn't come up in our kids' therapy when they get older. I don't know. I hope not either. But, you know, we can't, everyone's going to be scarred to some degree. We can't get out of that because our generational trauma is, it's still there no matter what we do. And we can try and try. That's why I work so hard with people and I work hard with myself. Like I want to make it less, but it's still there. Yeah. Kind of like stretch marks. They never quite go away. (laughs) No. They're there. But you're just, proud of them. They're looking around. They're lurking around saying, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget about me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Shannon, this was so lovely. Yes. Thank you so much for your perspective. It's very helpful to hear, you know, someone outside of the situation kind of give you that clarity. So oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, I hope everybody can glean something from, you know, something in there will be helpful. Thanks for joining us on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. And I'll see you guys next time. Thank you, Shannon. Thanks for having me.